We open our Bibles together to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18 is our text. We will look at uh, several of the verses before and after, so please keep it marked. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 is our text. Let me read that for you now. Hear now the word of God, about God, and therefore about this message, the message of the scripture, the gospel. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. Let me read that again as it's brief. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. We will look at some of the context, uh, but what we're focusing on is the beginning of the verse, God is true. This morning we uh, studied that God is light from 1 John. Tonight in 2 Corinthians, we study that God is truth. Uh, Now, they're almost saying the same thing, uh, light uh, related to truth, enlightening, um, but but it is has other things involved. But there's there's a lot of overlap with it. You'll even see in one of the verses I'll share with you tonight. They're they're talked about almost as synonyms. We are right as a general rule to say that God can do anything. Don't we say that all the time? God can do anything as a way to encourage us, motivate us to trust Him and and uh, not be uh, daunted by discouraging things we're seeing. God can do anything. And we often like to say, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with him. But actually, and those things are not wrong, and they are scriptural phrases and ideas, but of course there's a qualification. There is something the Bible says God cannot do. God cannot do this. In fact, it is quite impossible for God to do this. Truly, he can't do it. It's not possible. Titus 1 verse 2 tells us God cannot lie. God cannot lie. He will never lie because he just can't. It is against his nature. He is truth. We will study tonight. He is truth. Last Lord's Day in the evening, we looked at the fact that the devil is a liar And so tonight we want to look at the opposite of that for God. God is the truth, and so he always tells the truth. Because God is truth, he's trustworthy, and we're going to be encouraged to trust in him who is the truth. When you're around someone, a group of people especially, uh, and you know that they often lie, that they have done it many times, they even kind of value the idea that lying is necessary, um, You don't know if you can trust the thing they say, ultimately, right? And you don't really ever trust the thing they say, because you know that if they need to, they'll just lie right to your face. Well, Titus 1, verse 2, telling us that God cannot lie, is particularly deliberate because of the directness of its contrast with verse 12, where uh, Paul is saying to Titus, the Cretans, where he'll be doing ministry, are known for being liars. They are known. He says uh, they are always liars. Wow. And not only that, uh, he says that even one of their own prophets say so. That's how bad it is. Their own people say they're a bunch of liars. 
And so what a contrast in that context that God is bringing a truth to that area. And the important message is God cannot lie. So when you're around this context and culture where everybody's lying, you don't know who to believe. You can know for certainty that you can believe God in his message through his, his uh, people, through the scriptures. God cannot lie. And not only will he not lie, it's because he just cannot do it. Why? Because it goes against his nature again. He is truth. God is truth. And because God is truth, thus the preaching of the gospel of God is always true. It's always trustworthy. Give that to you as the main idea of what Paul's talking about in the context. God is truth. Thus the preaching of the gospel of God is always trustworthy. In fact, the word for truth in the Greek can mean faithful. It could be translated faithful. God is faithful. God is true. He tells the truth, but more than that, you can trust him to be true. True to his promises, true to what he says, in and out of season. Uh, it is translated faithful in the Geneva Bible. It's translated by Tyndale in his Bible as faithful. And also uh, the equivalent in Spanish and Portuguese, they actually do translate it uh, with, the, with their words for faithful. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, it, it does say there in our translation, God is faithful. So 2 Corinthians 1.18, God is true. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful. Now there, it's a different Greek word, but it has the same sense. They both have the same sense. You could translate this word for true or faithful as trustworthy, reliable, stable. Now remember how much we were warned last week to have discernment of deceivers, and especially the devil as the liar. How important it is to be able to know you can trust God instead. God is faithful. God is true. God is reliable. God is trustworthy. He is stable. God is good on his word. Isn't that something we want to ask people? Or if we want somebody to trust someone what they're saying, oh, he's good on his word. You, all you need is a handshake, right? You know, that kind of an idea. God is good on his word. He always performs his promises, which are never misintentioned or a slave to circumstances. And that will be uh, part of the idea, the context, that the reason Paul is saying some things that he is in, around this phrase. That is a contrast from the Cretans, of course, and much of the world. God is always good on his promises. He always follows through on his promises. And he's never misrepresenting his true intentions. He's never saying one thing and doing another. He doesn't give a message of yea, nay. That's what Paul says here, right? Verse 18. God is true, therefore our word towards you was not yea and nay. Not no and yes, right? Well, let's think about what he's getting at here. John Calvin says he's not inconsistent with himself. God is not inconsistent with himself. He doesn't think one thing and then think another thing. He's not undecided. He doesn't, as you know, he doesn't change his mind. There's Old Testament scriptures that speak to that. He's not a man that he would lie or change his mind. He's not yea or nay. Now that's building off of verse 17. What he's saying in, in verse 18 is our message is not something that you need to worry about whether it's true or not or whether it's going to actually come to fulfillment or not. It's not a yeah, no, but later yes, and then maybe, maybe, I don't know. 
sorry, I thought so, but now I'm not so sure. You know, but look how it's being built off of verse 17. When I, therefore, was thus minded, did I use lightness or the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? I mean, he's, like, he's saying, how can, you, how can you count on that? It appears that, first of all, he's, he's saying he was not able to visit them as he intended and earlier intimated. He wasn't able to get there uh, as he was inclined to do. But his concern is that they would not conclude that his intention was weak or not so certain as he sounded, but that they would simply understand his situation made him incapable of doing it. But not that he had any change of mind or that he kind of said, you know, well, yeah, let's do that, but no real intention. I think I've shared with you before. I recall back in Pittsburgh, my pastor shared there was once a, uh, uh, an exchange student from Africa. And uh, because an American, a fellow student, high school student said, oh, let's go to the movies this Friday. She showed up to the movies. The American didn't. Because a lot of times we say, oh, let's do that. But we really have no intention of doing it. Or we don't really consider that we've said something we need to worry about following through on. And that surprised this lady. Well, you, you said, let's do this. Why would I think we wouldn't do this now? And that's what Paul is wanting to make sure they're not concerned about. He didn't kind of sort of make a commitment. He fully intended to be there. And uh, circumstances didn't allow him to be able to make it. Uh, one commentator says that basically he doesn't want them to confuse his doctrine uh, with his promises. I intended to be there. I'm not always able to fulfill based on what's happening. But I, that doesn't change anything about the doctrine. Don't doubt what I'm teaching you. It's not a yay, yay, nay, nay. It's a certainty. Now, what's more, and, and here I'm thinking about this a little bit. It would seem by the commentators it's mainly the fact that he didn't seem to be able to get there when he thought he would, and he didn't want them to think he was just kind of just sort of saying it but not meaning it, and therefore doubt whether the doctrine he's teaching is true for them. But I can't help but wonder if he was also being direct with them or pointing out that he's direct. He doesn't mess around with maybes and uncertainties. He's direct because of the certainty of his message. He was direct before, including his rebuke, especially in the first letter, that much of the second letter is saying, praise the Lord, you've had godly repentance. I didn't like having to be that tough on you, but look what it brought to you. You know, there's certainly no yay, nay in his message. There's a thus saith the Lord in his message. And if he isn't having that in view, I can't help but think of it with you for a moment. He's not subtle. He's not unclear. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, he said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of uh, man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I was direct and strong with you. I wasn't trying to impress you or tickle your ears, your itching ears. I told you what you need to hear with no uncertainty, direct, clear challenge. The message of the gospel, after all, with Jesus and then his apostles and then the disciples, is always, it begins with the word repent. 
That's pretty direct. Nobody wants to hear that. But that's it. No, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of talk with you about and see if you might be interested in hearing about Jesus. And, you know, maybe you might want to think about uh, inviting him into your life. And maybe would you receive? No, the message is, hey, I'm here proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus is here. Repent. Very direct. No confusion when he leaves. What was he really here to talk about with us for? No uncertainty. No yay or nay. He can be that way because God is that way. Absolutely true. So there's no need to beat around the bush. Most importantly, because of verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me in Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. There was no uncertainty here. Yea. There's no maso menos. There's no more or less. It was yea. The gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, yay, no uncertainty. And Paul, of course, had Jesus speak to him directly about this, calling him to the ministry. The gospel about Jesus was not yay or nay, but yay. Why? Because of verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yay, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now that's certainty. That's something you can sink your teeth into. That's something you can hold on to. That's an anchor for the soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ is yay. Jesus Christ is yay. All the promises of God in him are yea. And let me add to it, he says, and in him, amen. Now what does amen mean? It means truly. Where you see it uh, a lot of times, amen, amen. Uh, it could be translated truly, truly. And he, Jesus is even called the amen in Revelation. There's nothing wishy-washy or uncertain about Jesus, the Son of God. And thus, there's nothing about the gospel about or from him that's wishy-washy or uncertain. It's yay. And therefore, in the preaching, it should be especially preached with power. It should be preached with unction. It should be preached in a way to give God's people a sense of certainty. And all of his words should be studied to the point where the preacher can come to the pulpit and present it in the manner of, Thus saith the Lord. And that's not something our preachers and a lot of Reformed preachers are comfortable doing anymore. They're much more comfortable presenting it to you as a lecture and letting you think and spend time worrying about little details that different commentators wonder about. We should be looking for knowing the truth and the certainty of the message. And it should be presented to you that way. And you should receive it that way and should go out with it that way and present it to others that way. There's no yay or nay with Jesus. And if some people will try to say, well, I don't know who can know. No, 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 no. There's no nay with Jesus. There's only yay and amen with Jesus. There's only one name under heaven by which we can be saved. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No doubt.
Thus, chapter 5, verse 20. Look with me at chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Uh, now, forgive me, I actually had in view a, a, a different verse. Um, I may have to find it later, forgive me. Unless it's not... Uh, I don't want to uh, distract you or delay. That's not actually the verse I was looking for. Tell you what, I'm going to use that as an excuse for a pastor's devotion this week. But it was emphasizing the truth, and somehow I, I wrote down the wrong verse. I apologize. I'm going to... Um, yeah, I'm not going to hunt for it. I don't want to distract you. But the point remains, you can trust in the message of being saved in Jesus to be true because Jesus is the truth. God is truth. It's striking to consider how Pontius Pilate asked the question of Jesus, what is truth? As if who could know it? He's asking the question of he who is truth. Jesus promised to return to you. Jesus promised to resurrect you unto eternal heavenly life with him is true. Exodus 34 verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Abundant in truth is the Lord. And you see that reflected in Westminster Larger Catechism number 7 in terms of what they say at the end of the question, what is God? Truth. He's abundant in truth. Now the same statement as Exodus 34 verse 6 Almost verbatim is in Psalm 86, verse 15. So God's abundant in truth. And what is a truth that is said in Psalm 86, verse 5? For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Satan will lie and say he's not ready to forgive you, you got to go and do some penance. No, that's not enough. Go do some more. Stay away. Satan will lie to you and say, he's not plenteous in mercy. That's it. You've used it up. But God, who is plenteous, abundant in truth, Psalm 86, 15, says this, which is true, verse 5. The Lord is ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. So are you calling upon him for more mercy? Are you ready to be forgiven? Because the truth is, there should be nothing stopping you unless you want to believe the lies of Satan. But God is true. And what he says is true. The message is true. John 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace 
and truth. Speaking of Jesus. John 14, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to come to God and have relationship with God and eternal life. It is only through Jesus Christ. That is the truth. He is the truth, telling the truth, as God himself, as his witness. Matthew Henry writes this. Paul would not have the Corinthians to infer that his gospel was false or uncertain, nor that it was contradictory in itself, nor unto truth. For God is true, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is true. The true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ, whom the apostle preached, is not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Verse 19. There is an involuable constancy and unquestionable sincerity and certainty in all the parts of the gospel of Christ. He says this. Bad men are false. Good men are fickle. But God is true, neither fickle nor false. So, you can conclude with any other gospel someone throws at you, Romans 3 verse 4, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. And be resolved in your Redeemer and his self-revelation as truth. John 3, verse 33. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. So here you are, having received his testimony, sealing up for yourself and as a witness that God is true. The message of God is true. And put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Exodus 4, verse 24. As you would be responding to God's truth, as people who have believed in his son, the truth, it needs to be that you are growing in the new man with his holy truth. And pray Psalm 43, verse 3. O send out thy light, and truth. There you have both sermons today. Oh, send out thy light and truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto the holy hill and to thy tabernacles. That would be a lovely scripture, I think, especially the first part to memorize and regularly apply. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead me. God and Jesus are true. End of story. Thus, hear the end of your story from Christ. Revelation three fourteen, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. 
the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now these are all Jesus speaking of himself. Revelation 19, verse 11. uh, This is spoken of Jesus. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Revelation 21, verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You might remember when we studied this in the lectures through the book of Revelation years ago, Wednesday nights, we really emphasized, write it down. Don't forget it. This is true. You can write it down and watch. It's going to happen. This is all faithful and true. Revelation 22, verse 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. The devil's always going to discourage you in the faith. The devil's always going to uh, try to make you doubt that this is all true. And so God gives you an abundant witness that it's all true. As Paul's very concerned tonight, you would understand this is absolutely certain. This is only yea and amen. Because it's based on Jesus, who is amen, who is truth. It's based on God, who is truth. He cannot lie. He can only tell the truth. And what he says he will do, he will do, truly. You can trust it. And so you are wise to say in this life, as you die to yourself, The same thing you are wise to say as you one day prepare to die at any moment and enter the next life. The same thing which Christ said when he gave up the ghost on the cross. As you sang tonight in Psalm 31 verse 5. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Praise God. He only tells the truth. And it's always good on it because he is the truth. You can trust what he says is what is true. And what he will truly do and what has and will truly happen to you in Christ. It's all true. No uncertainty, no wavering, no doubting. It's true. Have certitude in the certainty of it. Titus 1, let's go back there for a moment, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hope of eternal life. God promises he cannot lie. 
He's truth. It's absolutely true. And the message of eternal life in Jesus Christ is absolutely true. Whatever weaknesses, whatever uncertainties of the minister in his frailty is nothing that should affect your trust in the absolute truth of God's word. He works through earthen vessels, but he is truth. God is true. He tells the truth. Always trust him. Always, with complete certainty, trust in the truth. That is the message for you this evening. Trust in the truth. God cannot lie. He is the truth. Beloved, trust in the truth. You're going to need that all week long. He is the light. He is the truth. He is light. He is truth. Follow the light. Trust in the truth. Amen and amen. Can I have an amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, you are truth. Help us to trust in you the truth. Bless us to believe. Increase our faith. Help thou our unbelief. And let us walk in the truth and live by the truth and be strengthened. And let us stand fast in you who are truth. O Lord, indeed we pray. Send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead us. Let them bring us unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all your people said, Amen.